0: Can you all hear me? Henry, can you hear me? Okay. Right. So, welcome. Uh, My name's Sam, and I'll be talking... uh, If you've got a Bible, uh, do get it out. If if not, there's uh, some church Bibles over there. We use the ESV version, the English Standard Version. Um, Right. Have you noticed that when you type something into Google, it, uh, it or, gives you suggestions uh, of an autocomplete? Those are supposed to be uh, the most commonly searched things that are typed into Google. Now, two years ago, uh, when you typed into Google the, the phrase, why are Christians so, you got immediately top of the list, why are Christians so mean? That was the first suggested uh, search. That was the most commonly searched uh, completion of that phrase. Why are Christians so mean? It doesn't do it anymore. I think maybe some Christians got offended by it. But um, and and they, uh, Google now has a, a more intelligent uh, autocomplete. Um, But two years ago, I used it to introduce the Christian activities, the Christian Forum in uh, the school that I work in. Um, And I went on to use it to talk about the differences between what Christians do and how they are and what they try to be and what they should be. And it's actually, I think it's actually a great way of introducing this idea of the gospel. That as Christians, we are flawed and fallen and sinful And we need salvation during the presentation I asked I wonder what words you would use to describe the Christians you know and I put a list of characteristics up on the presentation I started with a list of good characteristics kind humble friendly and then I said or perhaps I should put up this list arrogant prudish, legalistic. Because here we are representatives of God, aren't we? And it's very sad when people see Christians, people who say they're Christians so vocally, very readily, who are witnessing for God. And the the characteristics that immediately spring to mind are those second characteristics. Now, after this assembly, a colleague and a friend came up to me and said, you forgot one. And I looked at her quizzically, and she said that when I listed the common flaws attributed to Christians, she was immediately thinking, "Hypocrite." That's sad, isn't it?" And I re- immediately realized that she was right. When you think of Christians, the common maybe it's the common media perception, but you think of those who are. Have the arrogance and the holier-than-thou attitude, the judgmental attitude. Hypocrite. That's a terrible word to use. Right now you may be thinking of a Christian who that word applies to. We never think of it ourselves, do we? But today, this is what we're going to be looking at. The passage today gives us a clear warning, uh, clear warning signs against hypocrisy, and especially in the context of religious piety. Let me just pray before we go on. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you that we can meet and fellowship and enjoy uh, just each other's company, enjoy singing to you, worship. enjoy listening to your word, enjoy donuts, enjoy children under feet, and Lord help us to come to your your word with an open heart and an open mind, ready to be changed, ready to be challenged, ready to serve you more, Lord I pray that you guide my words in, in revealing your word to us, in Jesus name, Amen. So I'm going to have a look at the passage. We are on Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read from verses 1 to 18. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18. If you're doing it on your phone, then you might uh, just change it to the ESV version. Okay, when you got there, just look up and give me a smile, so I know that you're there. Okay, beware of the practices, uh, practising your religious, uh, religiousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is sees in secret will reward you and when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do for they think that they will be heard but for their many words do not be like them for your father knows you what you need before you ask pray then like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name neither will your your father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. For when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What is it about hypocrisy that drives us nuts? It's frustrating, isn't it? For me, it's something about the two-faced nature of it, the failure of self-examination, the illogical holding of two ideals, one for others and one for yourself. as a a teacher that, I mean, that really grates with me. There seems to be some disconnect between what somebody says and teaches and what someone does that is almost psychotic. Well, let's have a look at what this passage says. If uh, if you've got your Bibles, please keep them open uh, to the passage. Uh, Otherwise, how are you gonna check that what I'm saying is right and you need to be, okay? Uh, I'm afraid I'm not going to dwell on the Lord's Prayer. We could uh, take a whole separate sermon or two just to talk about that. So I'm going to be looking at the overall view from 1 to 18. Three is the magic number, isn't it? When Jesus is mentioning something three times, then it's got to be pretty serious. And we see in this passage, Jesus condemns hypocrites three times. In verse 2, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. And verse 16, and when you fast, do not be uh, look gloomy like the hypocrites. There's no doubt that Jesus is targeting a specific audience here. Most probably the Pharisees and the religious leaders. There's some dispute as to whether Je- what Jesus means by the word hypocrite. In fact, the word Pharisee has almost become a byword for a religious hypocrite, hasn't it? When you call somebody a Pharisee, there's somebody who is holier than thou, who tells you uh, where you're going wrong, who's overly le- legalistic, who is judgmental. Now, in the original Greek, the word hypocrite is used uh, for play actor, uh, play acting. It dates from about 4th century BC. Um, In those days, the Greeks wore a mask. Uh, The Greek actors wore a mask. You may have seen them. So there's very much the two-faced attitude. There's what it presents and but unknowingly, we, we don't know what's going on with the actor behind the mask. and uh, we certainly get a sense that these people are putting on a show they are acting in verse two we see people giving to the needy to demonstrate how great they are in verse five we see fast uh, we see fasting and another show of religious piety sorry we see people praying on the streets for praise in verse 16 we see a public demonstration of fasting showing their religious piety doing it for others but jesus is not talking about people who are insincere here and that's where we have to be really careful because these people are very sincere in their beliefs they're passionate They believe in the obedience of the law. And this is where the insidiousness of this sin creeps in. There was a video that went a little bit viral uh, maybe last year. I was watching this video on this, uh, I don't know whether you've seen it, on this former female Marine. And she was a negotiator who had been to all sorts of war zones. What was striking was that she said... Nobody believes they're the bad guy. Nobody believes they're evil. Nobody she met believed that they were were doing wrong. Everyone believes that they are on the side of good. They believe that they are defending their ground. Well, the same thing is going on here. People who are hypocrites believe what they are doing is right. And it's something that we can very easily slip into. And all these things that people are doing, the giving, the praying, the fasting, they're great things. They're encouraged by the Bible. So don't get me wrong when I'm saying, uh, when this passage is saying that these aren't bad things to do. It's great to give to the needy. In Hebrews 13 (coughs) verse uh, 16 it says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Prayer is, a, prayer is essential if we have to have a relationship with God. And corporate, group prayer is also encouraged. Matthew 18 verse 19 says, Again I truly tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything at, they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And fasting is good as well. Jesus fasted in the desert when being tempted. And we see that the apostles fasting several times in the book of Acts as a way to focus on prayer and in preparation to serve God. No, these are signs of somebody who is devoted to God. So how have they gone wrong? And how can we go wrong? So, so wrong that Jesus feels the need to really point it out. In fact... The word hypocrite is used in a negative way, I think, 31 times in the New Testament. No, no, sorry, in the Gospels. So Jesus uses the word hypocrite 31 times. Well, it should be obvious if we look at the passage that it's their motivation. In verse 1 we see, uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For they will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. In verse 2, that they may be praised by others. Verse 5, that they may be seen by others. Verse 16, that they, they dif- disfigure their faces before uh, that their fasting may be seen by others. And what's the warning that Jesus says? Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. Verse 5, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And verse 16, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. It's the same phrase three times. So in the eyes of God, if we are doing things for the praise of others, in the eyes of God who sees you, those acts are meaningless. Those acts are meaningless to God. So, what do we take from this passage? How do we avoid this? Certainly, those of us who are in service have to a- uh, examine our motivation. If no one was to praise you for what you did, would you still do it? In my last school, my uh, colleagues in the maths department got a little bit riled sometimes when. There was the senior management would so obviously appraise another department for something we've been doing all along, so, and they got a little bit riled about that. Would you get riled about it if others were being praised and you weren't? If no one was thankful for what you did, what you do, what you continue to do, what you willingly do, would you be upset by it? Whose praise and recognition are you looking for? Do you drop hints fishing for praise? Over the summer I went back to London and I spent a lot of time with my Christian friends. As you do with these things when you meet lots of different people that you've known for a long time. uh, After a while I started to tell the same story over and over again about my experiences in Malaysia. It's hot. There are a lot of bugs. I'm enjoying it. Um, The kids are lovely. Most of them. Okay, um, I'm starting to really feel at home in my church and I found myself dropping into the conversation uh, that I preach frequently here in church about once a month and I had to stop myself and think why am I doing this? Was I looking for praise? Was I hoping that they would think that I was super godly or super spiritual? Or was I hoping to encourage them that even though I had left a solid church in London, I was still serving God out here in Malaysia to encourage them and to, uh, to uh, just reassure them that I was still on the right, right track. Now, I like to think it was the latter, and I think I started out as the latter. But the more I said it, I think at times definitely I would be slipping into the former, Especially when I was talking to somebody who I might want to impress, my former pastor, a pretty girl who I know back at church. <laughs> Do you see how easy it is, how subtle it is to slip into that mindset? So, for those of us that serve, it is an easy path to slip into. We seek feedback for what we have done. Am I giving a clear sermon? Did you understand it? Did I make my points clearly? But where's our motivation? Who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please man? Ultimately, surely, our aim is to serve God. Uh, Incidentally, if we're not serving, this is a, a little side point then I would ask yourself, why? If you're a Christian, I'd say, why are you serving? I would strongly encourage you to start. Um, James says, show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by works. It is. It could be as simple as putting out the ch- chairs before church, or taking them away afterwards, helping prepare the uh, drinks. I know that people, uh, you know, so there was a call to... Uh, help with the children's work and it's amazing to hear that people have stepped forward it could be talking to your friends about God or maybe inviting them to church so please I would encourage you to serve God and it will deepen your relationship with God and it will deepen your relationship with the church as well other Christians so please can I encourage you to, to step up and see where you, you can serve in your life now some of you may think and forgive me if this sounds ridiculous it probably does um, if praise is the fatal lure hope you know where i'm going with it if praise is the fatal lure then shouldn't we stop praising people well that's silly it is silly of course not one of the first things i learned as a teacher was how grumpy we English people are—we <laughs> really are very grumpy. We are very self-critical. Yeah, you look at the newspapers, and we hammer the England rugby, t- uh, uh, England rugby and football team all the time. Doesn't matter, you know, if we win against it. Oh, it's the lesser side. Okay, we still let in some goals. <laughs> As a teacher, I learned how self-critical I am, but also how critical of others I am, and how negative I am. I think Americans are very much the opposite way and sometimes too much the opposite way. I find, as an English person, okay? You're doing great! You're awesome, no, sorry. Um, sorry. But, okay, but, when I'm teaching, I see how students react to praise. Yes, hard-earned praise. Make them work for it, but praise. You can see them physically changing, sitting up straighter having eye contact with you working harder to earn that praise physically they change praise is a great thing the bible encourages us to encourage one another so keep thanking and encouraging those who arrive early while i'm still sleeping they come and they practice the music thank those people Thank Mike who, who misses the some of the singing or and some of the others who bring the donuts and, and go and make yeah, get the donuts. Uh, thank those who are putting out the chairs afterward. Yeah, putting away the chairs afterwards. Thank those who are doing a job I definitely couldn't do is working with the little kids. I don't know, if you if you tell them off they cry, what what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Where do you go from there? stop crying please, <laughs> you know, I don't know where to go from there, I can work with teenagers like suck it up, stop crying, <laughs> ok, right, but the teenagers, uh, sorry, uh, children I don't know, you know, I couldn't do that job and really I'm thankful that they do, they have a lot more patience than I do, in some ways as a teacher I, it's good to have slightly less patience, Okay. Um, but be thankful be encouraging the Bible tells us to be so what we have to do is as Christians we have to watch ourselves as we serve we have to watch our motivations and we have to encourage one another to watch those motivations we have to keep ourselves accountable what else do we learn well we must be careful to support our leaders and not to idolize them even within the evangelical community i'm sure that you've heard of leaders who have fallen from grace who have made some public uh... shame something has been revealed sometimes it's very very public Sometimes it's quiet and and they leave. But wherever it is, those leaders leave heartbreak and shock within those churches. I know younger Christians who have fallen away, or perhaps they weren't Christians in the first place, when the leader that they idolized, that they thought, this is the guy who has all the answers, has left the church for various reasons. As a church, we must support our leaders. We must keep them accountable. Pray for them. And were they ever to uncover some dark secret, then we must realize that they are human and fallen and sinful too. One thing I realized about working among very wealthy people, as some of my parents, the parents of my students are, the students know that their family may be flawed and dysfunctional, but they look at their friend's family and they, think, they see the fame and power and wealth. You see, we, they, we, have a, yeah, we are very, very good at putting that veneer of respectability for our families, aren't we? The public face. And they think, if only I can get that in my life, then I will be sorted and that's what makes these private schools especially i think hard ground we see it in the bible god goes to the the broken and the poor and the needy the rich and the powerful don't listen to him it's so easy to have that veneer especially in uh, malaysia where we're so isolated from one another earlier this year mike said to me uh one sunday he said oh i saw you in horizon hills and i thought really it's like and he said oh yeah i saw saw you in in the laundry uh the the horizon Hills laundry i was gonna couldn't say say hello but i needed to get somewhere and that's so that's mike seeing me very briefly through you know in his car once in the week how often do we see each other it's not that easy to see each other it's not very much of a community here is it how hard is it to keep one another accountable? What kind of life could I be living separate from the church? I come and preach, and sometimes I feel very guilty because I come and preach, um, and the other Sundays I, I need to be in church, but um, what kind of life could I be living? What kind of life could Mike be living? What kind of life could Craig, Pastor Craig be living? outside of this Sunday bubble. And so it's more important that in this disparate community that we keep each other accountable. Encouraging one another towards godliness. And that's really difficult. And so this, I would say, means that we should try harder to make sure that we get to church on Sunday. Try harder to talk to people in the fellowship time and after church. To encourage one another. To form those deep friendships where we can be asking, (coughs) are you okay? What's your week been like? So I'm still in touch with the guy who was my prayer partner from my previous church, and I I think that's a great thing. If you can have somebody who you pray with regularly, then that's great. And he's struggling with, to form deep friendships with the people who he's, he, he's now been put in a prayer triplet with. And I, su- yeah, I suggested to him that he ask the question, what have you done this week that you don't want me to ask about? That's a hard question, isn't it? And that's a hard question to be asked. I know certainly there's things that I wouldn't want to talk to this church about that's, that's gone on this week. Or in my private life. How else can we keep our focus on God. If we take out that one huge support. Which is our church. The structure of our fellowship. So. Make sure that we are meeting up to encourage one another. And this brings me to my last and very short point. You'll be thankful to hear. How can we be sure to avoid working for praise so three very quick points in this point (laughs) okay one peter says one peter 5 verse 8 says be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls like prowls around like a roaring lying lion seeking someone to devour Let me read that again. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion, seeking someone to devour. So firstly, be alert. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, some of you know this off by heart, I know, says, And let us consider how to stir one another up. Uh, Sorry, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day uh, day drawing near. Sorry, that's me memorising it rather than that, the ESV version. So, uh, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you uh, as you see the day drawing near to so that's my previous point secondly as we have already said we must be meeting up to encourage one another hebrews 12 verse 1 and uh, 1 and 2 therefore since we are surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross during the sh- uh, despi- despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Let me read that again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so cr- great a cloud of witnesses, you see that this is very pertinent to what we're talking about. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. Let us run with uh, with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who faith, who was the joy that was set before us, uh, before him, who uh, was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So finally. We see, we need to set our eyes on Jesus. Looking back to his death on the cross, he endured this death to win our salvation, and it drives us to our knees in humility, realizing that this death and salvation was done for us, and looking forward to the day when we will join him, when he's seated at the right hand of God, when we, with joy, looking forward to that time in heaven, those rewards will be in heaven. Someone once said to me, this this idea of rewards, maybe crowns and stuff, seems a little bit strange. Um, and so, And they said, I like to think of these rewards as the people who we have taken a... God has used us to convert. What joy will you see when you go into Heaven and you see those people who were not Christian and you have seen their conversion. That is a great reward in itself. Let's look forward to that day when all pain and suffering and tears are wiped away. So, we need to be alert. We need to examine ourselves. We need to encourage each other and meet up, and we need to look to Jesus. Let me pray. James chapter 1 verse 23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looked intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and and at once forgets what he uh, was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he he will be blessed in his doing. Father, we pray that we can look into your word. We can long to read your word, we can long to connect with you, we can long to hear from you and see the mirror of our own lives, and that we can change. Give us the strength to change, your spirit within us to change, to live lives that are above reproach, that to live lives that are great witnesses for you, admitting and repenting of our sins to you, and continuing to try and glorify your name. We pray that those uh, who see us, those who you are drawing uh, to you, can see you through us, Lord. We pray that they can ignore the... uh, or they can see that we are also flawed and that you have done a great work in us, Lord. Lord, we pray for the the growth of your kingdom and the salvation of those who do not believe. In Jesus' name. Amen.